Okay, welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience podcast. I am doing a continuation over the next couple episodes of a series that I started last year where I said to my Facebook group slash here on the podcast, if you could go to coffee with me and we were just chatting about Girl Scouts and you could just pick my brain about anything related to Girl Scouts, what would you ask? You could ask literally anything. Just understand that my response to those kind of questions is gonna be as if we were at coffee. So it's totally off the cuff, no real preparation, no research, no resources, anything like that. It's just based on what I know or my personal opinions, right? So that's what kind of the premise of that series is, and I'm bringing it back. I have a bunch of questions I did not get a chance to get to when I did this series last year, and I also put that question out again for new questions this year, and you can still ask me a question. It's not too late. So if you're in the Facebook group or if you have a Facebook, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Girl Scout podcast. That's where you can request to join. If you're already in the group, there's a post in there, but you can also just post in general or you can private message me if that is more comfortable for you. Uh, if you don't have Facebook, you can email me girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com and you can ask a question that way. But let's get into today's question. So today I wanted to talk about Rachel's question, which is what drives troop retention year to year? And I thought that this would be a fun one to dig into because the my gut reaction, like what I think most people would probably say, is that the main driver of troop retention year to year is girl-led. Um, and I think there is some truth to that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about what what I mean when I say girl-led in, well, in any context that I say it, but uh, what I mean about girl-led as a principle driving troop retention. And then um, I want to talk about some other kind of characteristics that I think can drive troop retention as well and are really important to talk about. So first of all, when I talk about girl-led, um, I want to make it clear that could mean girls leading meetings. It could but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And in fact, there are girls who aren't gonna wanna do that. And then that's not actually gonna drive retention because if a girl doesn't want to lead meetings, then she would not wanna come back if that's what the environment of your troop is. So if girls want to lead meetings, then that can totally count. But when I talk about girl-led, what I'm really talking about is girls having autonomy over their decision making. Girls need to feel like they are having an impact and an influence on the world around them, including their experience in Girl Scouts. So they should get to influence the decisions that are made. They should get to decide things um, that they're doing, whether it's them as an individual or the troop as a whole. And there's lots of different ways that this looks. So, and especially at different ages. And I would say even at the youngest age with girls who are the newest to Girl Scouts, even things like letting them choose which color marker they're gonna use or letting them choose which color construction paper they're gonna use or whatever, that already is giving them the opportunity to pursue some leadership because they get to make choices. So it's like a decision-making thing, which gives them a sense of autonomy and independence. I think also girl-led can look like 
give letting girls give you feedback. So ask them what they loved the most when you've done an activity or a craft or a field trip or <laughs> an exercise or an overnight or whatever. Like literally no matter what it is, let girls give feedback about what they loved the most about it, what was challenging for them. Now, I would avoid questions that are just going to lead to complaining, especially as girls get older. But you can say what was difficult, what was challenging, what was unexpected, would you do this again, why or why not, um, what uh, did anything, were you afraid of anything, were you nervous about anything, were you anxious about anything, um, before we started this activity, how did you feel during the activity, how did you feel after finishing the activity, how did you feel if we were going to do an activity like this again, what would you do differently, what would you want to do differently, right, so there's so many ways that you could ask questions to let girls reflect on their own experience, which is actually going to reinforce their experience, but it's also going to give them a sense of having an influence of shaping their troop experience. Uh, I think also choosing what badges they're going to earn. Now, in my troop, sometimes that was literal, right? Like we would look through the badge books and they would pick which ones sounded interesting to them. Um, but sometimes that was more topical or activity-based rather than the actual badges. So if the girls told me, hey, we loved this particular discussion or we loved this particular activity, we want to do more things like this, then sometimes that still meant me or the other troop leaders chose what badge work to do next, but we chose it based on what the girls were expressing interest in doing or how they wanted to spend their time or what they enjoyed the most, right? So that that can look like all kinds of different levels of involvement. Uh, letting girls choose what trips they want to take, letting girls choose um, how they're going to spend money. So, <laughs> and this can be a little bit tricky because sometimes there's decisions that really need to be made by adult, an adult or are best made by an adult. But as long as the girls are involved in the process, they're going to feel like they're having an influence or an impact and they're going to feel that sense of leadership and autonomy. So getting them involved in troop budgets, getting them involved in choosing things like the troop crest, letting them get involved in uh, even like the meeting setup and, and what you do at a meeting, um, giving girls the opportunity to talk through stuff. And sometimes girls will want to do things one way or they'll express that they want to do things one way and it's absolutely not how you want to do it or how you know is like you know it's not the right way to do it and sometimes that means letting them do it in a way that's not effective so that they can learn from it and sometimes that means guiding them to the correct answer so sometimes I would ask girls like if they had an emotional reaction to something and they were like that's not fair that's not how I want to do it something along those lines I would sit down and ask them guiding questions to let them reflect and kind of lead a horse to water if you will right so they're still feeling like they I'm not just telling them this is how it's going to be I'm leading them to create their own opinions that are more well-informed or reflective or self-aware, right? So depending on the age level of girls, girl leadership is going to look like all kinds of different things. And my point is, no matter how much control you personally want to have over the troop, <laughs> there's still an opportunity to incorporate girl-led. So I think that's like a big driver of troop retention, especially as girls get older. If they feel like 
the troop is just a place, another place where they're being told what to do and they have to follow instructions. It's going to feel like school and they don't want to do it. Uh, the fact that it's a place where they have autonomy, that's going to make them want to come back. Another major factor in troop retention that I feel like, although it wasn't my gut reaction, because my gut reaction was Carl led. But what I actually think is a bigger driver than whether or not the girls want to come back is whether or not the families want to come back. So I would say a big undervalued reason why troops might struggle with retention might have to do with communication to the caregivers so parents guardians etc so we're going to go with the term caregiver in this episode just to be as inclusive as possible families look like all kinds of different things and especially in today's world girls are coming from a lot less conventional to parent households right they they're coming from all kinds of different um, environments so the primary caregiver, the decision maker, if you will, that is going to be the, like, in my opinion, the biggest driving factor of whether a girl comes back. Because especially when they're younger, the reality is it, it almost doesn't even matter what the girl wants to do. If the parent wants them in Girl Scouts, then they'll be there. And if the girl or if the caregiver does not want them in Girl Scouts, they will not be there, regardless of what the kid wants. So this would look like, first of all, making the troop as accessible as possible for your family communities. So um, don't make it harder on them than it needs to be if they're expressing, you know, I've seen a lot of people in Facebook groups put a lot of stipulations on their troop, like you must attend this many things or you're out or you must meet these requirements or whatever. And, and it's like, a really militant operation and there's so many things about that that are really admirable and cool of what they're able to build in those kind of communities but also it's just not accessible and that could be a reason to see a fall in retention and I think you know a big thing for me in my troop was always to say that um once you were a member of my troop, you were always a member of my troop. And as long as the troop existed, you could come back anytime you wanted. And that could mean mid-year. That could mean two years later after not hearing from you. It doesn't matter. Uh, you're always welcome back. Once you were originally a member, you are always invited back. And we would love to have you. And if that meant girls needed to take a couple of weeks off, you know, if they were playing sports or whatever, or if something was going on with their family and they weren't able to make consistent meetings, that's totally fine. Come when you can. And uh, as far as like events go, you could come to all of them. You could come to none of them. I just need communication with the family so I know what to expect, whether or not that girl will be attending. Um, and that's the best we can do, right? So um, I think making it accessible is one thing. Communication is another thing. Your, your caregivers need to hear from you. And this is something we've talked about on this podcast several times before, but there's lots of different methods of communication that people are using today, right? Calling, texting, emailing, social media. Those are some major ones. There's also apps that can give like actual notifications to someone's phone. Um, there's all kinds of things that could 
I don't know, get your communication out there. <laughs> um, unfortunately, if you only do one, there are going to be parents that aren't getting the memo. There are going to be parents who will never check their email. There are going to be parents who <laughs> never respond to a text message. There are going to be parents who refuse to use Facebook. Whatever the situation is, there's going to be parents who aren't on any of those choices. So trying to deliver the communication about your troop as many places as possible with regular reminders, um, making those frequent touch points, that is going to be really, really major in driving your troop retention. And I would say even more than that is being able to communicate not just what's happening and what, you know, setting expectations, which matters a lot, um, but even further than that, I would say being able to communicate impact and outcomes why Girl Scouts is important, what you're achieving and accomplishing. I have had in my time as a volunteer, so many girls transfer into my troop from other troops whose parents said the reason why is because the troop that they came from didn't do anything. Either they didn't do any activities outside of the troop meetings or they didn't have regular troop meetings or they didn't earn any badges and something along those lines. And the reality is in my troop, we met every other week. So... <laughs> It was only like two troop meetings a month and if you we tried to do something outside of the meetings monthly once the troop really got up and going but that first year i think we did two one or two things outside maybe only one thing no two things two things outside of our regular troop meeting so and that's it for the whole year <laughs> so um we really we eased into doing more but um honestly we weren't like a supremely busy troop and i've said before on this podcast i'm not like a crazy um I need to earn all the badges kind of person. I'm not motivated by that to just check them all off. I'm also not um, motivated to have a even more chaotic cookie season than necessary. As it is during cookie season, I like to be boothing every weekend and possibly during the week sometimes as well. But... <laughs> I mean, we're not in wall-to-wall -wall cookie booths. We're just not. So if possible, I would try to do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, for every weekend of the cookie season, and that's it. <laughs> um, sometimes I might have two Saturdays and a Sunday or two Saturdays and two Sundays, something like that. But um, for booths, but for the most part, it'd be like about three booths a week across my whole troop. And that's what I was capable of um of manning those booths and I wanted to be as, as many as I could. Uh, I didn't want somebody else to have to like hand that off to somebody else or find adults to cover those booths as much as possible. Sometimes it would happen, but, um, but anyways, all of that to say, <laughs> to me, it's like as busy as the troop is going to be, is going to be somewhat based off of my availability and my bandwidth. And yet nobody left my troop because we weren't busy enough. Nobody left my troop because we didn't do enough. Nobody left my troop because we didn't earn enough badges. So it's all about your manner and method of communicating what's happening in the troop, what activities you're doing and what the impact is and what you're hearing from girls in the moment about what they loved about it. And if you can communicate those things to your caregivers, then it's going to like reinforce in their brains that this is important what the girls are getting out of it. And even in addition to that, if you can incorporate some of the research um, that we share on this podcast a lot about the outcomes of Girl Scouting and why it's important, that can help a lot. I noticed when I started my troop 
and I first started doing caregiver parent and caregiver meetings at the beginning of the year. Um, so the first year we did one that was just like an interest meeting trying to get re like uh, recruitment efforts. But starting with either the second or the third year, we started doing these like really um, organized <laughs> caregiver meetings. And um, we had like a parent meeting at the beginning of the year. And then we had a parent meeting around cookie season each year. And um, if possible, I would do one at the end of the year as well. But sometimes I had trouble getting attendance there. So anyway, um, at those at that back to school time, that parent meeting slash caregiver meeting, I would do like some survey type things to get an idea about um where they thought the girls needed the most support so it was an opportunity for them to tell me if anything was going on at home that i needed to know about or at school that i needed to know about or in their friend groups or something but it also gave me a chance to like hear from them about you know, it, you know, what's important to them that their girl gets out of Girl Scouts. And then I could also reassess that at the end of the year with a follow up end of year survey. And then I could compare the results of both and I could share what had changed. Um, I've talked about that in a different episode. I'm not going to like go too far in depth into that here. But um, that was one thing that kind of reinforced subtly that the point of Girl Scouts is to have an impact on things like risk-taking, building healthy relationships, and so on and so forth, setting goals, um, leadership development, that kind of thing. So that would reinforce that because I would ask questions about that in those surveys and that kind of reinforced that. I also discovered, this is what I started to say, I discovered in one of my early parent meetings that um, most of the families that I was working with did not know that Girl Scouts went through 12th grade. And I had asked them, how long do you envision, as long as she wants to continue, how long do you envision that your girl will continue being a girl member? And so many of them thought Girl Scouts ended at the end of elementary school. They didn't even know it went on. So being able to communicate, hey, this is actually a K-12 program. And here's all the things that we're working towards and all the ways the program builds on itself and evolves in middle and high school and why it's so beneficial for girls to stay in, right? I would also ask questions of the parents around like, what do you hope the girls will get out of Girl Scouts? And there'd be things like, um, obviously like leadership development, et cetera, like I said, but also I'd put things in there like college scholarships and, and whatnot, uh, community service. And that, again, it's that subtle reminder. It's that subtle communication of like, hey, Girl Scouts is so much bigger and there's so much that they can get out of this program. So that that's one way that I recommend trying to kind of send those more subtle messages, but also put the messages in their faces, right? Like share share things about why Girl Scouts matters and that this is a high impact program. Because especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably, you care about doing Girl Scouts in a high impact way. So that's really going to drive troop retention because that's putting, that's giving the caregivers skin in the game of like, I'm invested. I want my girl to continue doing this. If they don't want to continue taking their kid to Girl Scouts, that kid is not coming back no matter how much they want to. So 
making sure that the caregiver is totally on board and wants their girl to be part of Girl Scouts, that we want to achieve that level of investment on the caregiver side, that if the girl's like, I don't know if I want to come back, <laughs> the adult's like, of course you're going back. Like, that's the level of investment we want our um, caregivers to have. Of course, we want the girls to want to come back, too. And then the last thing that I'll just say about things that I think drive troop retention year over year would be um, the GSLE principles. So I have an episode, which I can link in the show notes, where I explain what GSLE is, but it's the Girl Scout leadership experience and it's the framework that the Girl Scout program is built on. So we think of the Girl Scout program as like its badges and journeys, but what the Girl Scout program actually is, is principles in action that lead to outcomes. And the badge work is all built on that framework. So all the badge uh, requirements are built around if you were to do them like as written, then theoretically <laughs> you would be using the framework without even necessarily knowing it. But what's also true is that you could use the framework and not even be working toward a badge and you're still doing Girl Scouts because you're using their framework. So the base level of the framework is girl-led, hands-on learning, and learning by doing. So, oh, I'm sorry, that's the same thing. Hands-on learning and learning by doing is the same thing. Cooperative learning is the third one. So um, girl-led, learning by doing slash hands-on learning and cooperative learning. So if the girls are pursuing leadership, which we talked about already, if they're doing hands-on activities and they're learning by doing, they're having that experiential learning. And if they have cooperative learning, so they're working together, they're learning about teamwork and they're working about collaboration and cooperation, then um, as long as you're doing those three things, then the research shows it's going to lead to all of these both short and long-term outcomes that are going to impact girls for the rest of their lives. Everything from um, like setting goals to uh, innovation to taking risks to leadership development like there's so many um healthy relationships like so many things that that girls are getting out of it so the original gsle actually led to like 16 outcomes and then they rewrote it where it led to like four major outcomes and each of those four major outcomes have like four additional sub categories of outcomes so anyways all of that to say that uh it's like their relationship with their self, themselves and others, um, building life skills, all, all those kinds of things. Those are all diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those are all outcomes that are going to come as a result of girls who are participating in the framework with those three foundational keys, right? So um, there's a lot more to GSLE, and I will link to the uh, one of the episodes where I've talked more in depth about it, but I would say GSLE drives troop retention because if you're using those principles, then you're doing high-impact programming, and then it takes the pressure off of like all the minutia of what you have to do in order to achieve um, you know, a GSLE experience or a, <laughs> you know, something like that. But um, instead of trying to focus on that, if you just do the, the framework, then you're going to have a high impact experience and that's going to improve your troop retention. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's my two cents on what drives troop retention year to year. 
Um, there's probably a million more things that we could talk about. And uh, I think I'm a little remiss also not to have said fun. <laughs> I think fun drives troop retention. It has to be fun. And sometimes fun is more important, a fun environment and a safe environment, that's more important than any of uh, the activities that you do. So um, if the girls, the girls will tell you what they need from you, right? The girls will tell you what they need out of Girl Scouts, whether they're literally using their words or they're going to tell you with their body language or their behavior. Sometimes what they need is to run around. Sometimes what they need is to sit quietly. Sometimes what they need is to be creative. Sometimes what they need is to talk to each other. Sometimes what they just need is just a break to just hang out and be social and like not think about school or the pressures of the world or home or whatever um and that matters more than like you know doing the right badges or whatever um just giving them a space to have fun and be safe is uh, also going to be a big driver of troop retention um so I hope that this was helpful, Rachel and everyone else. Thank you so much for your question, Rachel. And uh, if you want to ask a question, just a reminder, you can hop in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Girl Scout podcast, or you can email me girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com and maybe I'll get a chance to answer your question. I do have a lot to get through. I'm always open to more. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working through them. So if I haven't answered your question yet, be patient with me. I will try to get to it. Um, I love getting messages from you. Sometimes if you send me a message privately, I'll respond to you privately and then I'll also turn to the podcast for an answer. So um, without further ado, I will see you next week.